Welcome to Grid Talk, a series of conversations with the leaders and innovators shaping the 21st century grid. Hosting the podcast is Marty Rosenberg, an award-winning energy journalist. The series is sponsored by the Department of Energy's Office of Electricity Advanced Grid Research Division. Now, here's Marty Rosenberg with Grid Talk. Hi, and welcome to Grid Talk. Today, we're extremely pleased to have Shea Baramarad, Vice President of Engineering and Smart Grid at ComEd, to talk about an exciting new microgrid project ComEd has been working on right in its downtown core. It's been described as one of the most advanced urban microgrids in the nation, and we're very pleased to explore what that means with Shea. Welcome, Shea. Thank you, Marty. Um, Thanks for having me. So tell us first, why now? Why is the time ripe to build an urban microgrid? Our industry is going through tremendous changes, but we have to live with a new normal as an electric utility and as an energy sector overall. And that's the um, fact about climate crisis. The number of weather-related events, severe weather-related events that we have to deal with, the um, high, very hot days or very cold days is increasing significantly. And the system that has been developed over a century um, is not going to withstand all the challenges associated with climate change. Then in order to um, slow down that uh, negative pattern, um, we have to think about to accommodating more, more and more um, renewable energy and distributed energy resources in the system. That means that we have to rethink the design and how the electric grid works um, in a different way. So tell us uh, what Bronzeville is. It's a community in Chicago. Describe a little bit the flavor of the community and uh, what it entails, what's located there. Yeah, um, Bronzeville is a neighborhood in southside Chicago and south of downtown. And it has a very rich history of African-American presence um, and a very diverse in terms of the types of people and businesses that they are located there from number of institutions like Illinois Institute of Technology to College of Optometry. From a security standpoint, the Chicago Police Headquarters and um, number of senior citizen homes and uh, public housing and residents and small and commercial uh, type businesses. So the combination of that, it created a very unique opportunity to look into that neighborhood. So I, I think it includes a, a police station and a library as well. Is that correct? Yes. And the number of high schools, a library, um, Chicago police headquarters, and um, senior citizen homes, and number of um, universities, well, two universities. My understanding is there are about a 1,000 customers in this area. ComEd, of course, is one of the nation's largest utilities with more than 4 million customers across northern Illinois. What do you hope to learn from these 1,000 customers, and how large do you see it scaling up across your whole service territory down the road? The beauty of this project is the learning associated with it can get replicated elsewhere without having a requirement to have a microgrid. I don't envision the grid is going to turn into grid of microgrids. But what I see 
from this is um, distributed energy resources organically, with the, like hopefully with the support of uh, policy, gets more and more integrated in the system and the modular grid design that we are um, testing the implementation of it in, uh, in Bronzeville can um, facilitate providing a localized energy in different parts of our service territory. We are developing a microgrid controller and the software that, that's basically the brain that sends command and control in a local area with providing intelligence and uh, having the ability to make decisions locally is another aspect of it that can be utilized elsewhere. I'd like to come back to that controller in a minute, but, but uh, just to finish com- painting the picture of the uh, neighborhood, you mentioned, I believe, that the Illinois Institute of Technology, where you, you have a PhD in electrical engineering, um, is right smack in, in the middle of this territory. What advantages does that give you, and how can you piggyback on initiatives that IIT has developed over the years? Yeah, so first of all, from a technical standpoint and from the grid design, we are um, clustering Comet or neighborhood microgrid with Illinois Institute of Technology. They have a microgrid behind the meter, and they have a capability to uh, withstand during any kind of events. And making these two microgrids talk to each other is uh, something that hasn't been done in the country in the past. The second part of it that goes back to um, partnership with university and workforce development. This is in the forefront of our strategy, and what we are doing is um, working with students and integrating many of these learnings and um, practical aspects of the business into curriculum at IIT um, to develop the future workforce. And uh, partnering with a number of uh, high schools uh, within the uh, neighborhood and exposing the kids to different possibilities in STEM as well as using the, the brain and intelligence to come up with different solutions that this microgrid platform has provided us um, within the neighborhood. Let's get back to uh, something you were touched on, the, the microgrid controller. I believe ComEd has three Department of Energy grants uh, associated with the Bronzeville. One is a $1.2 million grant to build a microgrid controller. Tell us what their technology is, what failing it's meant to address, and what do you think uh, you're going to be able to demonstrate? As you said, the project is funded by $1.2 million grant by Department of Energy, and number of universities, national labs, and technologists are our partners to develop this. What it does is it um, evaluates the state of the system in the local area and utilizes the grid infrastructure and distributed resources uh, to make proper decisions to keep the grid uh, up and running during any kind of events. During the process, we um, developed over 300 test cases and we went through an extensive lab testing and um, it got challenged by MIT and a number of other national labs to ensure the capabilities of, uh, of this brain within the microgrid. Then we partnered with Siemens and we integrated the algorithms that we have, the team uh, developed into a cyber secure platform that Siemens has and go- going through a number of testing and um, integration uh, steps um, to making it ready for implementation in the field and real world. So it's developing a highly sophisticated uh, degree of intelligence at the very end 
uh, of the uh, grid. Is that correct? That is very correct, yeah. And uh, how might this be useful to ComEd across its vast ser- service territory? As I mentioned, the, the reality of uh, what we live has changed and it's, it's evolving. Um, the developing a, um, the sophisticated control can k- give us the ability to control different types of generation and, um, and prioritize different types of nodes and customers and during any, any kind of emergencies. I can give you an example. There are parts of our service territory that um, because of where they are and because of uh, capacity factor, there are a number of solar developers that they want to connect to, the, to, to that part of our service territory. Then there is a significant amount of wind connected to those substations. If you want to think about traditional solutions for um, system upgrade, the cost associated with that is going to be over $20, $30 million. But having such controls can enable us to control the generation in a way that the integration cost of renewable is going to uh, decrease significantly. So I think a, a second grant is for $4 million from DOE to design and deploy solar and energy storage. Is that part of this? Yes, it is part of it. And a lot of this generation, which heretofore had been utility-owned, I think within the microgrid, it's going to be owned by diverse parties. Is that correct? Yes, this is another learning of this project, that we are pushing the boundaries of uh, operation, that not all the assets uh, are needed to be owned by utilities. So ge- the generation is coming from um, solar and dispatchable generation. Both will come from third party. While you say you don't envision uh, building a microgrid of microgrids or a grid of microgrids, I would assume this kind of capability is something that might be uh, very useful to ComEd and other utilities as they prepare for the future. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I, would, I would agree with that. The, the reason I said the entire grid is not going to be divided in smaller grid is um, by the de- Department of Energy's definition, a microgrid should go on an islanded mode and have generation, dispatchable generation for the peak load um, of that portion of the grid. That wouldn't be necessary um, for the entire 4 million customer population, but many different aspects of microgrid is something that can be uh, implemented depending on where they are and depending on um, circumstances in uh, different parts of our territory or other utilities. So if there, for example, is a hospital or if there's a, a shopping mall complex, you might be, want a microgrid around that area, but not, not ubiquitous across the whole service, service territory. Yes, I would agree with that. All the cases need to be revisited one by one, so it's I cannot come up with a, a one-size-fits-all, which is funny. Uh, ironically, our business is built on a one-size-fits-all over time. So I, I've been hearing, and I'm sure many in the industry have been hearing about Bronzeville for several, several years now. Can you give us a, a kind of a timeline of when it launched, where you're at now, and where you expect to be in the next few years? Yeah, the first phase of the project was commissioned last year. And uh, in April, we went through an extensive testing and we brought a portable generation. And at the point of interconnection, we looked at all the capabilities and the integration of solar and energy storage. And it passed the test and it was presented to the 
number of stakeholders and Department of Energy. The second phase of the project that we are working through it right now, and I am anticipating to be uh, finished by the end of 2020, is to uh, go through an RFP process and procure controllable generation. That's work in progress and um, the implementation of uh, communication infrastructure and number of um, high visibility um, sensors is um, happening as we speak. You have been listening to Grid Talk. Today we're extremely pleased to have Shay Baramarad, Vice President of Engineering and Smart Grid at ComEd. I, I wonder if I can pivot for a few minutes to a, a different topic. Uh, and we're, we've been hearing a lot about how utilities have to evolve their business model at the same time as it, it's preparing for major changes in climate and uh, customer expectations. How do you see the kind of work you're doing in Bronzeville contributing to ComEd's evolution of a future business model? I would think um, so from a grid perspective and the way that we design the system and we operate the system, um, I went through a number of learnings associated with this project. From a business model perspective, I uh, I would say that going through a an exercise, both from a contractual agreement as well as uh, from an operation perspective and from a maintenance procedure, um, how to rely on a third-party asset is something that is going to push the envelope on the operation frontier. Um, I talked about a modular grid concept, and if there's, if you imagine that there is energy storage and if there is solar in, in part of our territory, um, this type of design or this type of, type of assets can potentially prevent um, upgrade uh, if needed. Tell me a little more about how you, ComEd may be changing along with this technology. Are you going to be developing new services? Uh, might you start putting a value on reliability that's enhanced by microgrid? So we are uh, working with a, a large group of stakeholders on um, microgrid as a service tariff. And we are looking at different options, how this can be uh, provided to different types of customers as a service, from industrial customers to different campuses. And we are working through the details of, of it as we uh, speak. And we've, we've been engaging in a number of dialogue with different experts and, and different uh, policy, from both policy ex- experts as well as technical experts in the past, I should say, six, seven months or so. On the value to reliability, I do believe that there is a there is an industry accepted um, measures how to value reliability, but that doesn't exist for resiliency, and that's what something that microgrid will provide. Um, and the type of events that the probability of happening is very low, but the consequences are high. They impact neighborhoods um, and people, and and this is something that. As an industry, we have to come together, not only from technical standpoint, but, but this is one of the um, economists and uh, social scientists and engineers have to come together and develop the value of resiliency. Our life is so much dependent on electricity, and this is something that um, it lacks and cannot be done in a silo in one 
vertical energy sector. Right. I've been fortunate enough to tour both the IIT campus and uh, Bronzeville. And one of the more remarkable things that I've seen is the degree of community engagement. Um, you talk about the evolving utility to meet challenges, but there's a challenge, I think, of bringing customers along. And talk about uh, how you think efforts like Bronzeville are a way to educate customers about the, the evolving technology and getting buy-in from them. It's a very good point, Marty, and I put it as this education is two-way. Um, it's not only we educate customers, but, but we learn a lot from engaging uh, in, in different neighborhoods. Um, microgrid at, in Bronzeville is part of a larger effort. In Bronzeville, we call it community of the future, and the thought is to design a human-centric neighborhood of the future, and technology is only the enabler of that vision. What we did was we brought together um, thought leaders within neighborhood, people who have a voice and they influence their neighbors. And I can tell you that it was an eye-opener experience for me personally. What we learned was that there's a lot going on within the neighborhood, the number of non-for-profit organizations, and there's so much alignment from strategic priorities on accelerating low carbon and future of electrification to uh, advancing STEM and, um, and workforce of the future to increasing collaboration. So that was there. It was about what we needed to do was to tap into that energy. And that's something that helped us tremendously. Instead of going in, we providing uh, solutions. We listened to what those priorities were. And to the extent that we could provide a solution, uh, we work on a number of projects that I'd be happy to share with you. And then we became a catalyst to bring and catalyze, if you will, um, different partners together um, and working with different solution providers uh, in the neighborhood. As one of the more advanced microgrid efforts in the country, talk about what you think ComEd's obligation as an industry leader and tied to these DOE funding sources to, to promulgate what you're learning across the industry? And to what extent are utilities around the country contacting you to learn from what's happening in Bronzeville? I see it as a professional responsibility to share the learning. Um, we've been fortunate that there has been a vision um, to work with a number of stakeholders to be able to do a project like this microgrid with the support of a number of federal grants and a number of universities and national labs and technologists to share costs, and that brings a lot of learning. And our responsibility is to share those learnings across industry, and that's something that we've been taking it very seriously from trying to talk about it at different technical conferences or transactions into mainstream media um, in a way that people would understand it, and, and extending the partners not only in, from an engineering perspective, but from social science, from economic perspective, or economists, to start thinking about these concepts. And we have been reached out by many different utilities, not only from within the country, but we have had visitors uh, from UK or Australia that they've been interested in hearing uh, more about many parts and pieces of microgrid. What would you say uh, this neighborhood is, I would describe not as an affluent neighborhood, um, working class, perhaps. Um, what's 
have you found in terms of their concern about the issues that you're bringing to the table, like climate change and renewable energy and grid resilience? Uh, is there an appetite for that kind of information and that kind of activity? They do take it very seriously, Marty. Uh, what we've learned is that Metro Transit has been stressed by the community as a priority, and they would like to, to see more efforts, more collaboration across the city of Chicago and um, utility and uh, solution providers to have electrified transit. And the, one of the reasons is that um, Chicago is one of the uh, top five cities in the U.S. with high air pollution. And the most, most contributor to this pollution is transportation sector. So that's something that the neighborhood is aware of it. And if you look at the asthma, the rate of asthma in, you call it working class communities, or I would take it to the next level of underserved communities, is higher than other places within our territory or elsewhere in, in the country. And that's something that requires a lot of thinking, both from a policy perspective and from a collaboration perspective to resolve it. Do you have any innovative projects uh, that you're designing to try to address that specifically? Yes, we do. We worked with um, job creation and economic development was another part of this um, focus of this project. And we worked with an entrepreneur uh, in Illinois, uh, the name of the company is Innova, to provide um, last mile car sharing service to uh, senior citizens within the neighborhoods. And it's an electric car that the driver is hired from the neighborhood and they take senior citizens and they take like a schedule from places to, to the um, train station, to the bus station, so to close that gap. Then we work with universities, the two universities that I mentioned, to senior citizens and uni university students. They have different schedule and developing an app to utilize the same electric car sharing service to students to provide a similar service between different parts of the campus. So if, if you see, we are not in a car sharing business. We were only an enabler and a catalyst of this partnership coming together and making it happen. But uh, I think it's a powerful example of how walking down the road to forming a, a microgrid takes you into a lot of different new unanticipated directions. You're so very right. It's, it's been an adventurous road. Fascinating. Thanks for talking to us, Shay, and uh, we reserve the right to come back and visit with you down the road to see how things are going. <laughs> it would be lovely to join you again. Thanks, Marty. And thanks for listening to Grid Talk. Thanks to Shay Baramarad of ComEd for sharing her insights about these incredibly exciting changes in the electric industry. You can send us feedback or questions and suggestions to gridtalk at nrel.gov. We encourage you to give the podcast a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. Now, for more information about the series or to subscribe, you may visit smartgrid.gov. Thanks for listening to Grid Talk, presented by the U.S. Department of Energy Office of Electricity Advanced Grid Research Division. Subscribe through your favorite podcast provider or visit smartgrid.gov for more information.